Zipper rolls out to the right, pitches off to Taylor, and Taylor's to the 20. Down to the 15, down to the 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Touchdown, Billy Taylor! Billy Taylor scored a touchdown from 21 yards out. The crowd goes berserk. It was November 22nd, 1969 that they came to Barry, Michigan, all dressed in maize and blue. The words were said, the prayers were read, and everybody cried. But when they closed the coffin, there was someone else inside. Oh, they came to Barry, Michigan, but Michigan wasn't dead. And when the game was over, it was someone else instead. Eleven Michigan Wolverines put on the gloves of gray, and as the organ played the victors, they laid Woody Hayes away. Under center is Wangler at the 45. He goes back. He's looking for a receiver. He throws downfield to fire. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Happy New Year and Go Blue! I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. From the very minute Jim Harbaugh made the decision to come home to Michigan, fans and media have followed his every word. From his first recruiting class to spring football, his summer missionary trip, satellite camps, and then the season. It has been a wild and exciting ride this year for all of us who love Michigan football. We end the year knowing better days are ahead. With that in mind, on the last show of 2015, we turn our attention to the business at hand, which is winning the Citrus Bowl and getting that 10th win, which will be easier said than done against an imperfect but very talented Florida team. On Tuesday, Angelique Shengelis joined me with a Michigan perspective on the game. On today's visitor segment, we will spend time with Brady Ackerman, the pre- and post-game host on the Gator Radio Network, and the sideline reporter during the games. Brady's a busy guy. He also co-hosts Swamp Talk with former Gator quarterback Shane Matthews right here on the V-Sporto Network. We'll get to Brady in just a minute. First, my final view from Section 17 for the season. Let's take a look at some of the interesting matchups in this game tomorrow. Jake Rudock versus Florida's passing offense. Now, the last time we saw Rudock, he took a big hit against Ohio State, and he was knocked out of the game with a shoulder injury. By all accounts, he is healthy now but will face a difficult task going up against Florida's secondary on Friday afternoon. Rudock broke out in a big way down the stretch and helped win Michigan games with his arm. He may have to do more of that against the Gators, but he will do so with cornerback Vernon Hargraves, one of the best in the country, shadowing Michigan in the passing game, most likely on Jehu Chesson. When the Wolverines were humming on offense this year, Rudock was spreading the ball around and getting everyone involved it will have to be more of the same tomorrow. Michigan's run defense versus Kelvin Taylor. The Florida running back has already declared for the 2016 NFL Draft and will be a stiff test for a run defense that struggled towards the end of the regular season, especially after Ryan Glasgow went down with injury. Florida does not boast an explosive offense by any means, but Taylor is a very talented runner, and we saw Michigan struggle down the stretch 
against some of the better running backs they face this year. The defensive line has to be able to stay fresh, and the linebackers will have to be much, much better than in the last game they played, and we all remember who that was against. The Gators do not have much to be afraid of offensively, but Taylor is certainly someone to watch for. Jim Harbaugh versus Jim McElwain. We can break it down and talk X's and O's in long form, but uh, certainly in seeing how these two first-year head coaches have their teams ready to play in this game is the thing we're looking at. Both Michigan and Florida had better-than-expected debut years with their new leadership. The Gators went out and won the SEC East and won 10 games, while Michigan jumped back on the map in what was expected to be a transitional year. On paper, it is hard to dispute the Wolverines have the advantage with our coaching staff, but these teams mirror each other in a lot of respects. Also, Florida offensive coordinator Doug Nussmeyer will have a little extra hop in his step on Friday as he worked at Michigan under Brady Hoke in 2014, as we well remember. So some very interesting matchups to keep an eye on during tomorrow's Citrus Bowl. Stay tuned for Brady Ackerman from the Gator Sports Radio Network right here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the Vsporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. on our game day segment this week, actually on our visitors segment, is Brady Ackerman, co-host of the uh, Gator pre- and post-game shows, as well as a sideline reporter on the Gators' IMG Sports Network. And Brady also hosts the uh, the Swampcast with former Florida quarterback Shane Matthews uh, right here on the Gator Sports Radio Network on Sporto. It's great to have you on the show, Brady. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Great to be on with you. And um, anytime Florida and Michigan get together, that's uh that uh, provides great entertainment. It's certainly great in the state of Florida. There's a ton of Michigan alumni down here, some of which are my friends. So it makes it a lot of fun uh, when Michigan and Florida can get together. Well, it's going to be a fun week, and it's uh, a very interesting game, Brady. Uh, Florida put together a 10-3 and season. They won the SEC East, played Alabama in the SEC championship game. Pretty darn good year for Coach uh, Jim McElwain in turning this program back around. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, the slogan behind closed doors was restore the order, and that kind of uh, slogan kind of made its way out through the media and through the fans and stuff uh, once Florida got to 6-0, and and they realized that behind closed doors this was a program that was trying to get back to the top of the SEC East and in the uh, championship game in Atlanta sooner than later. I don't think anyone would have predicted 10 wins, or anyone did uh, prior to the season. So there was a lot of uh, good fortune, a lot of hard play, and, uh, you know, it certainly could have been even a bigger season uh, had there not been an issue with the quarterback situation midseason. But overall, I think um, with what was left behind offensively uh, and uh, certainly the, the culture that was left behind was not bad, but it was not a winning one. It was, a, it was a you know, we're doing the right thing, but just not winning. I think the attitude change 
uh, in year one under Jim McElwain, very similar to what Jim Harbaugh has done at Michigan. I think these two programs are very similar and, and on the right track sooner than later. Well, Brady, like Michigan, uh, Florida has some issues on that offensive side of the ball, too. You were just referencing uh, quarterback Real Greer suspended after six games, I believe it was. Uh, Treon Harris took over at quarterback. It's been a struggle for him, hasn't it? It certainly has. You know, when he when he came in his first game against LSU, he played great LSU top 10 team on the road, needed a fake field goal to beat Florida. He had a huge game, made some big plays, but he kind of got exposed in the fourth quarter. He was two for his last 10 throws to all those throws with the game either tied or Florida down seven. And uh, I, I think teams kind of started figuring him out how to attack him. Uh, and he really struggled throwing the football. And uh, he's a guy that obviously comes from a big-time program, won a bunch of championships in high school. When he's been thrown in there in short spots, uh, you know, even uh, two years ago up at Tennessee, down nine in the fourth quarter, he took Florida to a, a one-point victory when he relieved Jeff Driscoll. So he's not scared of the big moment. But overall, I think his game is, just doesn't translate to what Florida wants to do offensively. I mean, they want a pro-style guy. He's more of a uh, mobile-type, option-type guy that does have a, a decent arm. So uh, he's a great kid. I just think he's had every opportunity to win the job. He hasn't done that, and uh, he's gotten the job, I think, in a lot of ways by default at this point. And I think in the spring it's going to be a wide-open competition. Well, you know, when you look at his numbers, and I've seen him play in bits and pieces this year, but 51.9% completion percentage, 90s, five picks. He's uh, just averaging 2.2 yards per carry. But the number that jumped out at me when I saw it was the sacks, and I thought, that's got to be a misprint. So I checked it in a couple of sources, and it said 29 sacks, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it's on him. I would Some of it's on the offensive line. But I'd say out of those 29, just off the top of my head, 60 70% um, are on the quarterback, uh, either A, holding on to the ball too long or being indecisive. It's one of the things that Greer kind of grew into in those six games as he won the job in game two and then and kind of took the – the range from that. This was an offense that uh, had a patchwork offensive line, two true freshmen starting at the end of the season, um, a, a graduate transfer from FCS at one tackle who, uh, you know, is a good kid. He's played hard, but obviously not where Florida wants to be at this point in time. But that was kind of the situation people may not know that uh, McElwain inherited in the spring. He only had six scholarship offensive linemen. His best one, or, or at least the guy who's played the most, couldn't go through the spring because of a shoulder injury. Then his second best one uh, ended up uh, having his football career in, end during spring football. So in the summer, they're just trying to get people together. Um, they took a couple of graduate transfers. Uh, obviously, they've played some true freshmen. And so they, when Groot was a quarterback, he was able to get the ball out of his hands quickly, to be, be, be decisive, uh, and that's just not a strength of Treon. And, um, you know, at times they've protected great, and he's just held it too long. Other times he's escaped the pocket too soon, and he's given up a second. Then other times they've gotten beat. I mean, they, they haven't been. Don't, don't let me fool you or get you to thinking that this has been, uh, you know, an A-plus offensive effort. That That is a unit that has struggled this year mightily, especially running the football. And, uh, you know, but they'll be better next year. They play two true freshmen, as I mentioned. Well, this year, even with that patchwork offensive line that's lacked up, uh, Kelvin Taylor rushed for 985 yards. Uh, he announced he's going to enter the NFL draft in the spring. Considering what he had to deal with on that offensive line, he's a pretty darn good looking back. Yeah, you know, you think about it. it, it he's a guy that, if you look at him, it, he should average five, 5.3 yards a carry. If he does, he rushes for 1,350 yards. We're talking about an all SEC back, but he averaged 3.9 yards a carry. And I can tell you, a lot of times he had nowhere to go. 
Um, now, he wasn't a big part of the game plan against Alabama for whatever reason. I don't know if it was a situation, uh, situational uh, stuff, but, uh, you know, that was disappointing, and I would expect him to be a bigger part of the game plan against a very good Michigan uh, rush defense, you know, but you look at him in Florida's biggest games, Tennessee, which they came back, he had 100 yards, and he was able to give them balance. Uh, in the uh, Ole Miss game, he had a, uh, close to 100 yards. Against Florida State, he matched Dalvin Cook, although the Gators couldn't do anything. And against Georgia, in a big game that Florida had to have, he had over 100. So he's he's had a really good junior year. It's time probably for him to go. Um, you know, backs only have so much tread on the tires, and I'd like to see him. I think a lot of people would like to see him get over a thousand. And of course that seems possible, but he only had eight yards against Alabama. So we'll see what he can do against Michigan, but he's been a very, uh, uh, very good player for Florida this year, arguably their most consistent player. And he's really grown up a lot um, this year as a, as a football player and being the son of a, a Gator great like Fred Taylor, certainly tough shoes to fill, but he, I think he did a great job. Well, one thing Florida and Michigan have in common is Doug Nussmeyer. Um, he's a very sharp guy, great access to nose guy, and I would think uh, he should have a very good idea how to attack this Michigan defense, whose uh, personnel he's very familiar with, Brady. Well, I, did, I mean, I agree with you, but I, again, the execution part has been the problem. I think he's had good plays against Alabama. You go back and watch the game tape, Florida's got people running wide open. Uh, you go back and watch the Florida State game, People, Florida's got people running wide open. Uh, the game planning has not been an issue for Florida. It's execution. Um, if it hasn't been the quarterback, which most likely the last six games it has been, it's been a breakdown here on the offensive line or a breakdown here in protection or something uh, of that ilk. But, uh, you know, I think you'll have a, a good plan. You hope that a 15 days and they can build some confidence in the tree on, find some plays he's really good at against Michigan's defense that he can execute. Um, but I think Florida's going to try to run the football. I really do. I, I think they kind of got away from it against Alabama um, because they felt like it was going to be too tough of a task. And not that Michigan won't be just as tough, but I, I don't think they'll get away from the run as quickly as they did against Alabama. I think they're going to try to get back to that. And I think having this much time to prepare um, should give Florida a chance to run the football. They're not going to beat uh, Michigan throwing for 300 yards. Even if that's Michigan's weakness, that's not where they're going to do it. They got to, they got to run and then find big plays in the passing game off the of play action. Well, with us on our visitor segment as we get ready for the Citrus Bowl on Friday is Brady Ackerman, co-host for the Gator pre- and post-game shows, as well as the sideline reporter on the Gators Sports Network. Uh, Brady, in many ways, these two teams mirror each other, uh, struggling offenses, defenses that are very, very good. Um, the Gators gave up the sixth-fewest yards and the eighth-fewest points in the FBS despite being on the field an awful lot this year. That is a darned good defense, isn't it? It really is. I mean, if you look at the last, and I don't want to say it was wasted this year because they did get to the SEC championship game, but the last four years, uh, this unit has been the bell cow for the football program. Uh, they've been every bit as good as teams who played for championships across the country. Uh, they just haven't had an offense to balance it, and I think that will get there. Um, you know, they're going to lose a couple of guys out of this class, but um, you know, the thing I worried about with them going into the Alabama game was how long would they stay connected to the game if they knew the offense couldn't score? Because I think in the fourth quarter against Florida State, they finally just said, to heck with this. I mean, honestly, it's human nature. Well, they ain't going to score. How much effort can we give? And they fought all the way to the end to Alabama to keep that thing from getting one-sided. And I do think seniors Jonathan Bullard, uh, Antonio Morrison, and then junior Vernon Hargraves, who obviously is going pro, I think these guys want to go out as, with a win. So I think You'll see a very uh, physical 
uh, Florida defense, front seven, very high football IQ, and, and probably the best secondary Michigan's played all season. Now you just mentioned Bullard, who's had an outstanding year for the Gators on D, 63 tackles, 17 and a half for loss, uh, six and a half sacks, but he has plenty of help on that side of the ball. Uh, talk to us, Brady, about some of the other key parts on that Gators defense. During the regular season, Alex McAllister was a huge pass rusher, but he's been dismissed, or, or he's going pro early and, and won't be back, so he's gone. Um, but Brian Cox Jr. has played very well. Caleb Brantley is a defensive tackle, a redshirt sophomore who they've announced is coming back. Uh, the Michigan coaches might tell you privately they think he's better than Bullard. I've had some SEC coaches tell me that guy's been a load to block on the inside uh, as well. And, uh, you know, Jordan Sherrick on the edge. And then Florida's got a true freshman, a five-star kid who really actually, you know, showed up this year and, and looked like a five-star kid. And C.C. Jefferson is going to have a bright future off the defensive end spot. Uh, number 96. So the Gators are set on the defensive line, not only for this year, but for next year. And they're very strong in the defensive line. They're thin at linebacker. they got two great linebackers in the front seven and Morrison and Jared Davis. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in a whole lot of points scored on New Year's Day, at least in the first half, while these offensive coaches try to figure something out. Well, Brady, these two teams played in uh, the 03 Gator Bowl, the 08 Capital uh, One Bowl. Very good games. Michigan won both of those. Is this matchup in the Citrus Bowl one that's generated uh, much interest uh, among the Gator fan base? Well, first of all, absolutely. And if I all my Michigan friends, I just say, hey, wait a minute, the Gators beat you in <laughs> softball last year, okay? That's right. all I know. <laughs> I was there when uh, Mitch McGarry and them beat Florida in the Elite Eight and went to the Final Four. So I've seen all those games you're talking about. And um, uh, I remember watching that Michigan game in 08 thinking, how in the world Michigan – only had 96 yards on Ohio State, and they had all those NFL players and Mike Hart and Chad Henney and all that. They were really good, and I expect Michigan to be a big physical team. Look, down here, the game sold out in two days. Okay, mm-hmm. you know there's a strong Michigan fan base in the state of Florida, a huge alumni base in Central Florida, and both teams are going to travel well. And this is a game that I, you know we're going to see again in two years in Dallas, and I think the coaches have a lot to do with that. I think both programs in their first year with these coaches. This is probably the barometer, uh, nothing lower than the Citrus Bowl going forward for these two programs with these coaches. And this is a great bowl and a great venue. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of excitement. I mean, now Gator fans are a little cautious because of the offense. uh, And, you know, they're realistic. They're hoping um, that the offense can give them something. But I think they're excited about it. Certainly, I think the ticket sales showed that. No, I think Michigan fans are apprehensive because of our offense, too. We uh, we just wonder uh, each week. We sort of know what we're going to get on defense, or we did until maybe, the Maybe we'll just let the two defenses go out and play each other. <laughs> just put a ball out there, let those two scrum for 60 minutes, and then whoever ends up with the ball wins. How about that? Well, it, it, maybe the offensive coordinators would say, let's do that. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just been tough. Uh, Michigan's offense has been tough to watch a lot this year because, really, uh, there hasn't been much of a running game. And then Jake Rudock, of course, uh, came along. But the defense has been, for the most part, other than Ohio State, has been very good all year. What in your mind, uh, having seen what you've seen of Michigan and then having, of course, covered your Gators all year, what does Florida have to do, do you think, to beat Michigan? Create turnovers. I think that, and again, Michigan's a minus turnover team. Florida's a huge turnover team. And, uh, you know, you need opportunities. What has happened is some of these teams down the wire, once they scored or got ahead of Florida, they quit throwing the football because they're like, there's no way we're going to let those ball hawks go after it. We'll just play it close to the vest because their offense literally can't do anything. I mean, you're talking about, I've watched Michigan's offense. At least there is a quarterback back there that is at least has a grasp of how to get the ball to playmakers, and there's been some plays. 
Um, and I, I can only imagine what it had been like had he not transferred to Michigan. But I think Florida's got to win the turnover margin. Uh, and what I mean by that is Florida can't turn it over. They've got to get a few and, and give their offense a short field. Um, you know, I know Greg Madison when he's here at Florida, excellent coach. Um, I know D- DJ Durkin did a terrific job before going to Maryland. Uh, it's going to be tough sledding on the offense. Florida's got to find one or two big plays. The one thing about their quarterback is if he gets outside the pocket, he can chuck one down the field and beat you. He'll keep his eyes down the field. So, I mean, that that sounds like a kind of a risky game plan, but that's what it is. Turnovers and a couple of big plays. Uh, I do think Florida's going to run the football or at least try to early in this game because I don't think um, they want to become one-dimensional right away. I think even if it's not working, they'll stay with the run game. But they got to get turnovers and uh, and some big plays, and they got a chance to win. You know, both teams would love to end the season with a W, but whatever happens on Friday, I think it's safe to say uh, we're going to be watching two teams that have better days ahead, and both have coaches that know how to get them there, Brady. No doubt about it. In recruiting, you can tell already both programs are killing it. Um, this, like I said, this is a precursor. When we do this thing again in two years, uh, we're probably talking about two top five, top ten teams getting together uh, to open the season in, uh, in the combo. So that'll be interesting. Haven't checked the weather for this week for Friday. What's it supposed to be like, you know? Well, it's been amazingly hot, but uh, I think it's going to cool down a little bit and be comfortable. But it's going to be Florida-type weather. It's not going to be 40s and 50s and rain. I know there's some rain, but, I, I, you know, again, it has been literally 90 degrees for Christmas. So you can imagine living down here. I mean, we can't. I got flip flops on Christmas, you know. It's, it's amazing, but uh, it'll be it'll be nice weather. I think I'm, I I think I read low 80s uh, with a chance of a little bit of showers. I don't know if that's late in the day or not, but you know, um, being the sideline guy, I, I should probably check up on that a little bit closer so I'm prepared. <laughs> but I, I know it's not going to be cold. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Citrus Bowl, 1 p.m. on uh, New Year's Day. Our guest has been Brady Ackerman, who's the uh, co-host of the uh, Gator pre- and post-game shows, as well as the sideline reporter on the, uh, the Gators IMG Sports Network. And Brady also co-hosts the Swapcast uh, with former Florida quarterback Shane Matthews on Gator Sports Radio right here on the V-Sporto Network. So, Brady, thank you for taking time today, and maybe in two years we'll catch up again. Let's do it again, and y'all travel safe down here if you haven't made your way yet, and uh, look forward to all the Michigan fans being down in Orlando. We'll talk to you soon. Wolverine Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week and year. You're on the Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. Wolverine Quick Hits today. I will keep it short, as I think I caught Angelique Shingelis' cold from earlier this week. If you got to listen to our show on Tuesday, she was under the weather. And now, uh, after not having a cold the entire year, here I am, full-blown cold on New Year's Eve, so hang in there with me. The old voice is fading. Shane Morris told members of the media yesterday he is staying to compete for the starting quarterback position next year. He said that he has never once thought of going somewhere else. He committed to Michigan as a sophomore at Warren De La Salle High School, and that commitment has never wavered. Yesterday, Jabril Peppers told reporters he always expects to play. When pressed about whether he will actually play tomorrow, Peppers' answer was, we'll see. So I guess we have to wait for game day to see if he will get on the field. 
From what we know, he has not practiced this week and is still wearing a protective device on his right hand. Basketball got a big win on the road against Illinois on Tuesday to open the Big Ten season. Out of nowhere, Mark Denall contributed 26 points, which was a career best for the junior, and Karis LeVert trailed him with 22 points. Michigan will be back in action on Saturday against Penn State at Chrysler Center. And in a final note today, hockey beat Michigan Tech 4-2 on Tuesday night to win their second straight GLI. They are 11-3-3 and will return to action on January 8th for a weekend home-and-home series with Michigan State. Before we close it out today, I would once again like to take this opportunity to wish each and every one of you a Happy New Year. It's been an exciting year to cover Michigan athletics, and I have a feeling it will be even better in the new year. Thank you for joining me each week and being a part of what we think is the best podcast anywhere covering Michigan athletics. I will be back next week and we will recap the Citrus Bowl game, hopefully talking about win number 10. And we hope to have beat writer Nick Baumgartner from M Live as our guest. So please come back next week. In the new year, we will turn our attention to basketball, both men and women's, hockey, and then softball and baseball, which, believe it or not, will be in action just six weeks from now. So as always, there is a lot going on here on the Michigan athletic scene, so make sure you come back each week. It's going to be a fun winter. The weatherman says game time temps in Orlando will be in the mid to upper 60s tomorrow, so it should be a great day for the game. Kickoff is scheduled for 1 p.m. That will do it for today. Again, Happy New Year, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, and until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue! Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.